0: Two pastors and Tom walk into a bar, but this is no joke. It's the start of
1: a conversation between three friends about culture, God, beer, and more. So pull up a chair, order a pint, and let's get started.
2: Welcome to the neighborhood pub, and welcome to Pine Glass Preachers. I'm Tom O'Neill, and as always, I'm joined at the table by Gabe Casper and Josh Woodrow, two hipster white guys. Today, we're going to be asking a black guy some questions. This shouldn't be awkward at all.
0: El die. El die. El, El Shaddai. Ego, Eli, Adonai. Adonai. Age to age. H- 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 you're the same, you the same. By the. Tom, you love it when we sing. Oh, Pine Glass Preachers, episode four. Dozens of people listening around the world. Dozens!
1: Including, hey Janet, Tom's my mom. Thanks for
0: listening.
2: <laughs> You know what that was? That was Tina Turner after 25 years of snorting coke. Vaguely familiar, but raspy, commingled with epic sadness. That's what that was. Thanks, guys.
3: Oh, my goodness. That's
1: pretty intense. That's
2: actually the subtitle to the (laughs) memoir I'm writing about my life. So, well done, Tom. Well done. All right. Let's, uh, as we're starting here, let's, uh, as usual, what are we drinking today? Gabe, you're up first. Dude, I'm
0: still kind of boring. I'm still in Wisconsin. Uh, Last day of vacation. Uh, The balmy... Shores of Wisconsin, so I'm still rocking the New Glarus Spotted Cow. It is still delicious
2: and the best beer ever. So you have a monogamous relationship with your beer? I do. I do. With this beer. Yeah, well. Josh, what about you?
1: Shade me la <laughs> For those of you, I don't actually know what that means, but I know it's like an Irish saying. Ironically, uh, above the door at Seamus McDaniels, one of the best pubs slash burgers in St. Louis, mm-hmm. So if you're ever in St. Louis, hit up Seamus McDaniel for a burger and a pint. But uh, I was in the mood from St. Patty's Day yesterday, so I am drinking just a classic Guinness mm. to celebrate and honor, well, the first missionary to Ireland, I suppose, and everyone else wearing green and getting trashed.
0: Cheers to you, St. Patrick.
1: Cheers. Cheers to you, St. Patrick. Mark the Fulu, welcome. Uh, what are you drinking?
4: Uh, Josh, appreciate you for having me. Uh,
1: well,
4: lemonade. <laughs> lemonade
1: <laughs> nope not spiked with anything no jim beam hart's. out of a fish not mike hart's not mike's hard Just plain old lemonade. and it's not because he's a teetotaler it's because he actually has to go back to work right. and apparently if you're a city employee you can get fired for drinking and returning to
0: work but what? not if you're a pastor but not if you're a pastor
1: Well,
4: Gabe, you know, the only time I drink is when I'm with my
0: husband. That sounds about right. That sounds about right. All right, well, we'll get more on that in a second. Tom, what are you drinking today?
2: Uh, Today, I am actually drinking beer today, which is an oddity for me. Uh, I am drinking Liftbridge Brewing Company, The Warden, which is a milk stout. I bought it last night because I was going to go with the Guinness, uh, but then the milk stouts uh, caught my eye, decided to drink that instead. So enjoying it, it's great.
0: Good to hear. Good to
2: hear. All right, so I uh, I have herpes today. Just
0: throw it on. Tom, Tom is a family-friendly show.
2: What are you talking about? Well, I have herpes. Uh, on Wednesday, the back of my neck started to hurt a little bit. Uh, I felt like a sunburn. Uh, increased in painfulness all the way through Thursday, yesterday. I really did not enjoy my uh, my first round of the basketball tournament or my St. Paddy's Day because of that. Uh, woke up this morning. Oh, when I say woke up, I mean got done cleaning my basement because I couldn't sleep because of the pain and pretty much realized I have shingles, which if you go to WebMD.com will tell you that shingles is actually a certain strain of the herpes virus. And so I think it's just a little more fun to say it that way.
1: Also, only old people get shingles. I'm pretty sure that it's like an old people disease, so it's extremely fitting, Tom. Although I do feel bad for you that you of all of us would get the shingles. You,
2: you know, I thought so too, but apparently young pups like yourself can get shingles. Have you had chicken pox? I have. Yep. Then you can get shingles.
0: Dude. Mm,
1: we'll
2: see We'll see about that. Yeah. Can't wait. I'm going to come rub my neck on you or something. You keep your shingles in Minnesota where it belongs. <laughs> Dude, so what do you, like, so how clean is your basement right now? It's amazingly clean. I haven't slept since Wednesday. It's Friday. Uh, I have not slept since Wednesday. Last night, I uh, well, back up. Wednesday night was not so bad. I watched three movies pretty much the entire night because uh, I couldn't sleep. Last night, it was bad enough that, like, just sitting around... I I had to be doing something to keep my mind off of it. So I went down to my basement, which was just a disaster zone, and uh, took a good four hours to clean that bad boy. So feeling good about myself, feeling good about my basement.
1: Not only does it sound like herpes, shingles, whatever you want to call it, is an excruciating virus to have, but this is also extremely painful talking about it and listening to how you couldn't sleep and how you have a sunburn on your neck. So with that said... Uh, I'm gonna take us to just a quick break. I want you to enjoy this music from our guest uh today. I will introduce him when we come back in. But for now, listen to this track, the title track off of his new album, Progress.
3: Devil in, in disguise, me these bad thoughts. My daughter looking at a dad like a dad lost. Love was lost, but it was well worth it. Now I got more love and Lord as I deserve it. My progress moves. Is- but I'm charging up My story's sad Trust me I can't thank the Lord enough Tears of pain Turn to tears of joy Because of you Can't even think With these trials That I was going through Now my past is my past And it was all worth I let the Lord Set the stage You're walking this through This my life My story My pain My glory This is my 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 testimony My amazing grace My praise in the Lord My hope My tears, my walk, my fears This is my, my, my hope for the hood. Let's change for the good, let's progress in our life Progress, process, process Progress is a process,
1: process Alright guys, welcome back Hope you enjoyed that track from uh, our guest's upcoming album, Progress Um, Mark, are you releasing those tracks uh, or that album anytime soon? We'll put it up on the website How about we do that? We'll put a That's link on Pineglasspreachers.com to Mark's upcoming album. Maybe we'll, put the ti- maybe we'll put the track on SoundCloud, too. Give people a sneak peek. Would that be okay? No. Okay. Well, it'll be okay. <laughs> we're going to put it up on the website anyway. And no better way to introduce our guest for today than probably my best friend here in Chattanooga, Mark Thomas. Not only is he f- the facilities director at the South Chattanooga Youth and Family Development Center, not the rec center, Youth and Family mm-hmm. Development Center. Right, but he's also our youth minister at Bridge City Community. And uh, Mark and I, our friendship began in a clandestine way. Uh, I rolled up on him during summer camp, which is by far the most chaotic time of the summer for the rec center. And uh, as I was starting to plant the church, just wanted to make some connections and accosted Mark and uh, forced myself upon him uh, until we became friends. Yes, that sounds slightly sexual, but <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I like to put him in uncomfortable situations and positions all the time. If his face could turn red, it would be turning red right now right, yeah. to match his Dr. Dre fake beat headphones. Or are those real? <laughs> These are real. They're real. Anyway, yeah, right. Uh Yeah. that's, so, the best, Josh. that's right. That's so Mark is uh, a man of uh, the African American persuasion, and uh, like I said, a good friend of mine. And uh, our, our relationship has really flourished and developed. And what's most meaningful to me uh, about yeah. what has happened. Is uh, today as we talk about race and reconciliation in particular. Our church, when we first started, uh, was really focused on this idea of reconciliation, figuring out how to bridge races here in a very segregated city of Chattanooga, and not just talking about races, but socioeconomics, education, and all that good stuff as well. And Mark was a key part in this and also has become just a partner in our ministry. And like I said, just a confidant of mine, uh, a safe person that I can ask a lot of naive questions. We can talk to each other, uh, we've offended each other. Uh, But we've also really grown together in terms of how to interact as a white dude and a black dude. And so uh, as we get going in our conversation today, it's really just going to be a time where three white guys, Tom, Gabe, and I, ask a black guy some questions. So – don't worry. That's not but
0: before we do that. Can we, like, just for our, our listeners and I think for, for Tom and myself, too? Like, Mark, would you mind just sharing with us just like a, a brief bio, maybe like 30 seconds, where you grew up, family, what and where you're at right now in life, what that's looked like for you?
4: Okay, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> grew up in Chattanooga in the Alton Park area, low income, single family homes, uh, went to Howard High School. Uh, actually, Howard is about to be taken over by the state now because of the low academic levels and th- things like that. So I grew up at Howard, Went to UTC, graduated from UTC uh, with a degree in secondary education. Okay. Uh, while in school, I started working for the city, and I've been working for the city of Chattanooga for 14 years.
0: All right. So you...
4: Met Josh and we've been rolling ever since.
0: <laughs> nice. So you've been you've been in Chattanooga your whole life. Okay. Yes, sir. Okay. Awesome.
1: Yes sir. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, he grew up in the neighborhood that we're planted in right now uh when the projects were still those brick row houses. Yeah, yeah. Before they made them look nice even though they're not super nice at all. So Mark has all the street credibility at the church and he uh oftentimes will let me borrow some of that in order to, you know, walk through the neighborhood and tell people what's up and, and get them to come to church and all that kind of stuff.
4: You know, keep them from getting That's good. That's
1: good.
0: <laughs> I actually have to do that when Josh comes, like, to the suburbs. Um, there's just a lot of people that don't like him. And so that's – I know. He, he banks on my street cred, so. Hey, at least yeah. here,
1: I'm like Whitney Houston and Mark my bodyguard. <laughs> right.
0: Um, He, he loves
4: to, he
1: Anyway, all that to say – we are going to have just a very open and honest conversation with Mark. As we all know, here, uh, especially in America today, uh, the topic of race, uh, racial tension, prejudice, segregation, all of these things are hot-button issues, and they're hot topics, and there's a plethora of people trying to discuss them, uh, white people try to navigate the world of uh, race talks uh, without causing too much offense. Uh, we've also got all kinds of you know, police brutality and situations in which uh, young black men are being shot, and a lot of uh, of upheaval because of that, because of the uh, injustice within the uh, legal system and, and all that kind of stuff and so what what we would like to do today is be able to offer you some insight not only in the way that Mark and I have been able to have these conversations, but hopefully open up the doors for uh, you as our listeners to have some of these conversations with us, and perhaps even have them when uh, when you stop listening to the podcast, you turn it off and uh, and meet some of your friends. ...who are uh, people of color, whether that's black, uh, Hispanic, Asian, you know, anything like that. And uh, this isn't going to be some critique uh, of race in America, but rather an ex- uh, an exploration of reconciliation. Um, and... The reason that, uh, at least here in Chattanooga, that uh, as a church and uh, between Mark and I, that we started this, this idea of reconciliation is because when you look in Scripture, you see things that says, like, there's no Greek or Jew, there's no slave or free, no male or female, but everyone who trusts and believes in Jesus is one. Uh, and there are other parts in Scripture in which it talks about how the kingdom of God um, isn't segregated, so then why is it when we look at our churches, we look in our communities, we continue to see segregation exist? And so there's a need, at least from a Christian perspective, to pursue this idea of reconciliation. Uh, However, there's not really a biblical or scriptural roadmap or game plan on exactly how to carry that out. And so, for at least us here, it's began in dialogue and discussion, um, and through the development of relationships, we began to to see sort of, okay, what does it look like to be reconciled, not just black and white, uh, but what does it look like to pursue reconciliation in a community, in a city? in which things like racial prejudice and segregation still exist. And so today, here we are, three white guys going to ask a black guy some questions.
0: So with that in mind, um, let's can we just like go to a hard one right away? Tom, I think this one's been burning on your brain. Let's do
2: okay, it. so uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just go right into it. So uh, after college, I moved to uh, Washington, D.C. I, I spent some time interning in the U.S. Senate, uh, And one of the things that I did every Sunday afternoon, I would go down to the to the local cage, the basketball court. And because I love playing basketball and and someone had told me that people play there all the time. And as I suspected, when I got down there, I was the only white guy there. Only one. And so uh, I I was. It took three weeks for them to even let me play uh, because they only had nine guys. So they had to let me play. And I, I'm going to be as humble as I can say this. I'm really good at basketball. And so <laughs> that came off as humble, right? Yeah, very much so.
1: Yeah.
2: All right, cool. Humble. But I don't know if I believe you. Tom. Yeah, we we can work on that. Uh, so, okay. Uh, so. You got some, do you have some highlights? I, I do. I, I have a, a mixtape, tape, if you will, of all oh my, my best turnovers and uh, missed three pointers. So, okay. well, so the whole, the whole thing is i got to play they they realized very quickly that i could that i could play with all of them that uh, i was just as good as all of them and so throughout the summer i i got to play then i got to be pretty good friends with a couple of them and on the last week i you know i told them i was heading home after that and you know there there was lots of bro hugging and things like that and and the one guy comes up he's like yeah 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 you are our brother you're our brother and i and i knew this guy well enough and and I said, so does that mean I get to say the N-word now? And he just looks at me, he's like, no, Tom, no, you do not. You know, and <laughs> we, we, it, it was all... in. A- Tom, you actually asked him that? It, it was, it was <laughs> joking. It was like, even if he had said yes, I still wouldn't have, uh, but... <laughs> he was calling you
1: brother, and you Why, asked you? him, oh, hey, bro, can I drop I the N-ball? You? Well, right this right
2: is now? the thing, because it's on okay. the basketball court, and I hear this a lot just out in the street, it seems like the N-word is used as a comma, you know, as a punctuation mark to pretty much every sentence. And especially on the basketball court, they're calling each other that in good fun. They're calling each other that as, as a name calling you know, it's all obviously in context and tone. Um, but then as soon as a white guy says it, I, I, I'm in huge trouble. I can be fired. I can you know, it's a hate crime. It's a Uh, hate crime. Get beat. Yeah. So,
4: well, that's a shame. You know,
1: I, we, I think me and Josh had this conversation before. Um, Not because I, I wanted to say that to Mark or anyone else uh, in our neighborhood. And, right. But I did ask a similar question to him I, in terms I, I of like, it's a. I can't answer for myself. Okay, sorry, Mark. I mean,
4: no. But uh, it, I hate the double standard of it. You know, it shouldn't be uh, black people get to call each other. You know the N word, when, you know nobody else can. Uh, it's all about the person. You said you built a relationship with those guys, you know, over a few weeks playing basketball. But you, would you coming to ask him, kind of took you back to the, the first day you walked on. Court no,
2: I want, I want to be you. very clear. I was joking. He knew I was joking. He responded in a joking term. Like, because we all knew, yeah, that was never going to happen.
1: But... Right. Okay, cool. Wait, but are you saying, Mark, because you said it sent him back to kind of day one getting on the court, so are you saying that if Tom, on his last day there, after, you know, gaining some credibility with these dudes, that he would have just walked up and been like, what's up, Matt, and said it, that they probably would have been cool with it, or would they have beat him? Well, I've seen it.
4: In both what happened in both ways, I was telling you about a situation. I coach a travel league basketball team, and it's it's a mixed team. But uh, most of our guys come from black neighborhoods, low income neighborhoods, and we have this one guy. His name was Hall. He went to a private school. And uh, first week we take our we go out of town. We take a trip. Nobody's talking to each other. Second week, they're growing together. They're getting to know each other, and by maybe the fourth week. We're on the road, we're heading out of town, and Hall is on the phone talking to one of his friends from private school. And I guess they had asked what he was doing. And so Hall was like, well, on my way to an AAU tournament with, with my niggas. And the whole bus just, like, laughed, you know what I'm saying? But Hall is this little
0: short white kid. <laughs> who goes to a private school. You no, know, and
1: Yeah, he goes to a private school. <laughs> who <laughs> has two last names. What's his last name? Paul Allen. Paul Allen. The guy has two that's names.
4: Two, la- two, yeah, names two last name. But the guys, you know, he had he had built such a good relationship with the guys that they knew he wasn't using that in an offensive way. Sure. But so and so, as long, I think it's okay as long as it's not offensive. And I know black people use it in an offensive way, and that's what I don't like about it. I mean, I don't like the word at all, but. Well,
0: it's, it's so that's the thing, because like, isn't the lose, the whole issue with the word, like, the history of it, right? Is like, it it carries right, so much right, weight right. in our country that it's like, it was for so long a derogatory mm. term used to right. oppress African Americans, and I, I guess my thought has always been like, it's been allowed in the African American community because it's in some way being redeemed. Then it's like saying. Uh, you tried to use this to insult us, but instead we're going to use it as a term of affection for one another. Is that right? Or no, am I, no, that sounds I like a, is that like a super white, is thing that to say a really that white thing to say? It, it probably is. I I'm a,
4: Well, the fact that a matter, they also use it as an insulting <laughs> mechanism, okay. like you use it to insult people as well. So I don't, I, I don't get it. It's hard for me to get being a black guy. You know, why would you use it to, uh as a as a sign of respect but also as a sign of disrespect. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense to me. So but I, I mean there's a lot of things, you know, in that happens in the African American community that I don't understand. You know, we had a situation, I had a guy the other day and before I do this, can I use profanity?
1: Yeah, that's fine. I'll just make sure, sure. it's but one uh, is unclean people. Unclean.
4: Yeah, but this guy he's a probably about twenty four. And he pulls up with his girlfriend in the car, and he say, "Mark, this is my bitch." Whoa! And she didn't say anything. Whoa. Like she didn't get upset. And I'm saying, why are you talking Dude. to her like that? Like, oh, she's oh, she's fine.
3: Dude. But
4: if a if another young lady would have walked up to him and was like, you bitch, it would have been yeah. a fight. It would have been a situ- you know a bad situation. So I, I don't get it. I think it's a mentality thing. I think uh, what helps Josh and I to be able to talk about some things that most people can't talk about is that we know each other, we trust each other, we believe in you know each other, we know that we don't want to harm each other and different things like that. So uh,
1: Well, and before, and, to, to kind of go off of that, just for everyone listening um, is Mark and I have a very safe relationship. He has allowed me to ask some very naive, very dumb, very ignorant questions to just blatantly and outright ask him about these kinds of things because I know that he's a safe person to talk to, that he knows that I'm just trying to come and understand this so I don't make mistakes hopefully in the future, and it's not so that I can somehow – you know, use it to my advantage. And so just for everyone here as well, and this is really what we're trying to do in this conversation is provide this very safe space to ask those naive questions, to ask those very politically incorrect or unpc PC questions in order to hopefully kind of move this conversation into a, a safer space for everyone without fear of like reprisal and stuff. And um, I think and I so think
2: it's th- important too to to, you know, some of these questions that we're asking to, are we already probably we might know the answer to the question or we're asking because I mean, I'm very I'm very cognizant of this as the leader of an organization and you two as as leaders of, of your churches that I don't want one of my constituency thinking, Tom, really had that question. You know, we're, we're trying to open up this forum here so that we all have these questions. We've just never had the safe space to ask them.
4: Well, I think the safe space comes from when you build those relationships. That's the biggest thing, relationship building. If you build a relationship with people, you should be able to ask pretty much anything you want, and they wouldn't be offended by
1: it. So would you say then, Mark, that like when we – because, you know, you'll see this on TV and interviews, uh, but even like in the neighborhood and stuff, because there are even people that we've come across in our church uh, who have either visited or whatever, and – they'll ask similar questions or just kind of make comments about it. And I've seen the reaction of people, you know, from the neighborhood who, who, you know, primarily black, looking at these like white kids or white people and looking like, dude, I can't believe they just said that. But if I were to ask ask those same things or make that comment, people would be like, oh, well, that's different. And so not just within the confines of relationship, but do you think that sometimes um, when it comes from Caucasians, making comments or asking kind of these politically incorrect questions that it's not seen as a genuine interest to maybe understand or to actually kind of break some of the barriers down and engage in conversation. Um, and instead it's seen as like a, almost like why are you, know, with a skepticism, like, why are you doing this? Like, are you going to try and use this against me to your advantage? Or are you just trying to make yourself feel good? I mean Is there any of that kind of sentiment when you look at the broader picture of, you know, race commentary or, or re- engaging in racial discussions
4: well yeah when anything any kind of question that's asked about I mean by somebody that you don't know that's not from the same place you're from you're going to have some type of you're going to have questions like why is he asking me that why do they want to know that you know do he have a hidden agenda uh, you know behind it but again what knocks down those barriers are the relationships? What's well, so what? It- I, I just feel like relationships are more, are the most important thing because, I the first you walking into the rec center the first day, asking a question like that probably would have threw me off. It probably would have made me think like, what is his purpose? Mm-hmm. Well, think, th- but getting to know you over time. Think of it in building those relationships with you, knowing your heart, the consistency you have in the community, wanting the community to grow. I know that you lo- you're looking for a better understanding instead of a leg up, mm. you know, against.
2: The- so that re- really rings true to me because it, it, that building of the relationship. Because the same thing would be true about let's say something that's less politically charged, just a relationship with the opposite sex or or, or your spouse or or, or something. Right. That if I just walk up to a girl and say, ask some really deep. Challenging question about the female psyche, like they're gonna look at me and walk away. But I've built a relationship with my wife, and so now I can ask her, hey, why this or why that? Are you kidding me, Tom? I've been married for nine years, and I'm still
1: gonna ask those questions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I actually thought Tom was just gonna tell us that he knows where babies come from now. (laughs) That movie Storks is coming out, I'm pretty
2: sure. Uh, Seems about right. I have yeah. a book around here somewhere. Well,
0: so, Hey, let me ask this because I, I think you guys, I mean, you're, you're, it, this makes a lot of sense, but it, like, why doesn't it happen? You know, like there's kind of like the famous, um, Martin Luther King quote, uh, King junior quote, where he says, you know, the most segregated hour in America is Sunday morning. Um, I was actually just reading some articles on this where it's not, not totally sure that that's true anymore, but either way, that's, there's definitely aspects of truth to that. And it looks like Josh's reaction is, it definitely is true. Um, no, I was actually going to
1: say, ironically, that's not actually a martin luther king oh, quote. who is saying, it? No. no. uh i don't remember but it's not him I, cuz i was using this, that same quote one time and someone called me on it and i looked it up and it's not oh, him. Okay. so we'll have well, to Well,
0: whoever some said that, that actually, uh, This is good professional quality stuff here. Um uh, but but whoever said, i mean it's a common phrase we hear it and and so i think i mean the cool thing about y'all uh mark and josh is this friendship you guys have have formed um be- between you know, a black guy and a white guy, uh, which is great. When I think we'd all agree, we need more of that. So I guess my question would be, why doesn't that happen more? One, and then two, what can we do to make that happen more? How do we how do we pursue that better? How do we build better bridges?
4: You got to look for understanding, common ground. You know, anything that we do, even with our kids, even though they're from the same neighborhood, they got different personalities. We got to find that common ground come interest to get them to see that they're alike in
1: a lot of ways which is really fascinating that you say that mark because i think that's a perspective that's not ne- that's not usually understood from white that's true because well, they- like there's a fear that oh my gosh if i go and try and develop a relation because like we see this all the time like think about all those people from Saint elmo that come over and just avoid every person of color in alton park you know what I mean? They'll walk in quietly and walk out. They'll engage with only the people they want to engage with. By the way, Saint a is a gentrified, mostly Caucasian neighborhood now that sits directly adjacent to Alton Park, which is primarily black. But I think this is, at least coming from a white perspective, it takes like there's a certain amount of fear. I think that as a as a culture, there's still a for even though it's it's fair and probably and well not probably but it is true to say that there is inherent power and privilege from the white side of things just because of the history of enslavement and segregation at least perceived power and privilege that but yet there's this great fear to say oh i don't want to engage with someone of color because what i'm afraid of is we're going to have so much in common that i can no longer keep that position of power and privilege either over and against them hmm. or at least in my mind
4: have your economic status changed since
1: meeting me? My I mean, economic de- status? Decrease. Oh yeah, it probably got worse. Oh, well right. My economic status? You're talking about like... Like what I'm saying, what has
4: changed for you
0: because you're friends with the black since guy? Since
4: you know me. See, so you say... You, right, because... Well, see, but you, they see, that's what I'm saying. I, is I, what I'm saying. Hold I, up. What, uh, what I'm saying is that you shouldn't lose friends or people should hate you because you know me. Or you know a black person, or you want to get to know a black person. A lot of people think that, you know, they're gonna like you said they. I and mean, I don't know. I don't even just want to say white people. All people. We we don't have a black and white relationship. We have a friendship.
1: Considering every time I leave the rec center, you say, "Stay black." <laughs> yep. There it is, right there. Reconciliation it's, at its <laughs> finest. Right, but it, I mean. That's just us joking. The the point I'm trying to make is for white people, we have to take a step out. And I think this goes to what you're asking, Gabe. Like, for me, it was very intimidating. Mark, you can remember those first days when I would come in the rec center. Tell me, like, Michelle, Squeaky, Breezy, Danielle, all them. It wasn't as if they were like, hey, welcome to the rec center. Let's have a sit-down conversation. Dude, they were mugging so hard that unless I kept coming back, it wasn't until showing that consistency and saying, I'm going to come back because I want to build this relationship with you that those began to soften. And I think, at least from a white perspective... On the whole, we are afraid, for whatever reason, we are afraid to step out and say, I'm taking a risk to build a relationship with a person of color. Now, I may get... I mean, this may sound crazy, right? Coming from a black guy. I'm not going to say that, because that would be racist.
4: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but, when you first met me, did I embrace you? Did no. you have... No,
1: let's, because you let's... refuse to hug, Mark. No, no. This is one no, I'm thing not Mark. Talking about Mark. He doesn't like to hug. I okay, always but, want to hug Okay, But just let him go. You're I'm not
4: going to hug, Josh.
1: Oh, you're talking about like philosophically embrace. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Come on. So, what I think is
4: two-sided. You may be, you may have to look at it a different way and say, look, I have to be more understanding of Mark, his background, his culture, all of that, right? And I have to say the same thing about you. You talk about Danielle, Breezy, you know, squeaking them not embracing you when you first came in. Because, of course, they didn't have that trust. But they didn't have an open mind. They didn't. You got to give people the benefit of the doubt. Can't judge a book by its cover. So that works both side, on both yeah. sides of the track. Yeah. You know? So, but if you, if you would have walked up to me the first day, you know, and presented yourself as an asshole, I probably would have <laughs> gave
1: you the time of day. Fair enough. But. I wait, I waited to save that part of me, of my personality, <laughs> right. until our relationship <laughs> so, got deep right. enough where you wouldn't put me out because of it.
0: Right. So, but so there is like a, I mean, it, it for a consistency. People. There is like what I'm saying, a consistency and an intentionality, um, and it takes risk on both sides, and I think recognizing that it takes risk on both sides because that is, like, yeah. I mean, I get it, Josh. Like, I remember I remember when you were first in Chattanooga and you were hanging out in Alton Park, and, like, I'm telling you, like, yeah, dude, just, like, find a place where people are gathering and, like, be present and just get to know people. And you're like, all right. Uh, and I'm, like, in a coffee shop in the suburbs of Austin, so it's no big deal for me. And you're like, uh, I'll go to the barber <laughs> shop. And I remember you telling me the story about the first time you went to the barber shop. Uh, do you, Can you tell that? real quick yes
1: yeah okay so if you've seen the movie Coming to America which by the way here's a shameless plug for anyone who's in Chattanooga that would like to join Mark and I for movie night he's going to enculturate me on all the classic black movies of the late 80s early 90s and we'll throw in Django Unchained because you know it's an outlier but if you've seen the movie Coming to America there's a scene in which is y walks into the you know quintessential black barbershop and the second he walks in all conversation stops Everyone just stares at him, right? Well, I had a similar experience because <laughs> I was trying to find these places in the neighborhood, and I remember pulling into the parking lot of Bear's Barbershop. Mark, how long has Bear's been there? Wow. Like decades, right? About 40 years. 40 years. So Bear's been there for about 40 years in Alton Park cutting hair, and I remember driving into the parking lot, all right, and I sat in the parking lot for 20 minutes having this conversation with myself where I said, this is, this is ridiculous, uh, and it's crazy, and it's going to be super awkward do I even want to do I even want to do this and then I so then I was like okay whatever so I walk in and literally everyone stopped Uh, I don't know if they thought I needed directions if they thought I was lost or just looking for some crack I'm not entirely sure but I went in and I remember being like hey can I get a haircut and with 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 some crack (laughs) Uh, and Bear looks at me kind of like you know cockeyed and makes me sit down and I remember about halfway through the haircut I was like oh, hey, can you take a little more off the top? And he just looked at me straight up and was like, uh, I don't cut my hair. (laughs) So,
2: (coughs) you know, he he let me in the
1: barbershop and I got to, like, hang out there super awkwardly and he attempted to cut my hair, but then he finally owned up to the fact that, well, I don't cut my hair. So he gave me a real nice shape up on my beard uh, and and it was great. And, you know, I I still have a relationship with Bear. Like, I can, I don't go to the barbershop anymore because I got to go somewhere else to get my hair cut. But, uh, you know, at the same time, like, stepping out and, and entering into a world that's just a little bit different as a foreigner and, you know, just asking for something simple like, hey, can I get a haircut? And being willing to to sort of take that risk, I mean, ultimately it paid off. It it still felt incredibly, I mean, foolish to one degree, and, and it was extremely awkward. Uh, but, yeah, it was like straight <clears throat> out of coming to America.
0: So it was let me interrupt you. like, So, Mark, can I ask the other side of that? Because, like, I met you – at, like, right. Lutheran church planning conferences, which is, like, all white dudes. And, white dudes.
1: and, and Eric yeah. Kong. Shout yeah. out to Eric.
0: There you go, bro. Uh, but, like, you know, and Mark, so that's, like, when you and I first met. Like, is that weird for you? Is it, like, dude, what am I doing with these, like, white guys?
4: I mean, it was a little bit uncomfortable at first, but. It it was about growth for me, you know, Wanted to be able to learn more, see what was going on on the other side of the track and to be able to understand white people in a sense, you know. So again, I had to have an open mind and I think that's what we all need to think about when we're approaching people, when we want to, when we have questions and I think that'll help us out in the long run. You have to trust yourself you have to be willing to take risks. It's not going to always work, but at least you you know you stuck your neck out there to try.
1: Okay, I, no, I want to. And, and speaking of, oh yeah, go
4: ahead. Okay,
2: Tom. I want to ask this. You go into the the black barbershop and you feel really weird, you know. Mark, you go to the church planner conference. You're feeling a little weird, but but what you said, which I agree with, is I want to I want to get to know these people. I want to get to understand. I, I want to get to understand this, and so I think about it. Let's let's take the black white out of it. Let's say I go over to France. We're gonna have that same thing. I'm gonna walk into a store, not know the language or the you know just the colloquialisms, uh, th- right. the the different cultural things. It's the same thing. The only difference, uh, and let's just take skin color out of it too. But the difference between this black and white conversation is that we have hanging over the heads of us is. Is the fact that white people enslaved black people a long time ago and 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 all the way and 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 more social injustices and and whatnot all the way through, you know, until today, you know, I I, I hope we're getting better. But this gets to the question of as as a 35 year old, yes, I'm old, walking into a barbershop with other people that are my age, I guess I'm not. I'm not thinking of the slavery piece because I didn't do that,
4: and why should you I mean to cut you off, but why should you think of the slavery piece <clears throat> you didn't have nothing to do with that that and that's what black people should understand too yeah, if you walk into an all black barbershop they shouldn't you shouldn't have to do the crime for somebody else's i' mean, time for somebody else's
1: crime. But I mean I think that's what's sort of perpetuated because so then what so then what is it that creates that that awkward tension then between black and white? If it's not necessarily going all the way back to slavery, is it the civil rights movement? Is it just the antagonistic relationship between black and white in the last twenty years? I mean, what what creates a tension?
4: TV, the media, music, it's a lot of things that keeps that cycle going. But is, is it, but is it person, fair to
2: say that it's perpetuated by both sides?
4: Yes, of course. Yeah. That's why it, it does. With anything that needs to be changed or that's going to be changed, it starts with the person. Hmm. At the end of the day, I can't, I can only, you know, do what I have to do and, that, and hope that starts a change in somebody else. Perfect example. You talked about Josh talked about walking into the rec center and I had what six staff members? Something like that. I pretty much embraced them from day one. Everybody else had to warm up to Josh. But what I wanted to do is set the example
3: mm-hmm. and make
4: sure that they saw that I you know, I was cool with Josh. I thought he he had a great purpose for being there. And they started to warm up.
1: And right now we have some of the best conversations with everybody involved. Yeah. But that did take, Damn. I mean, it took about a year and a half, I'd say. Because like, even Breezy, it took about a year right. and a half before he, before those barriers finally began to break down. And within the neighborhood as a whole, I'd say even though we're coming up on three years into it, uh, with some people like our relationship, those at the rec center, they've they've almost come down entirely. But still within the confines of the neighborhood, there are still are trust issues. And so this isn't one of those things that like I was real lucky. Like I walked in and Mark was willing to to allow these conversations to happen to embrace me from a fairly quickly within a couple of months. But we also have to understand that these types of conversations, like one trip to the barbershop, you know, one one swing by the rec center, that's not going to all of a sudden open the floodgates to discussion and understanding. But it's a commitment to take time.
4: Right. It plants that seed. And nobody is going to truly – everybody is not going to truly trust trust you. You're not going to get the trust from everybody.
0: Yeah. And that doesn't matter, like, what your race is. Like, there's going to be –
4: Right. That's – In your race or your family, your friends, you're not going to be totally trusted by everybody.
1: So if you're looking for that, you know, there's a losing battle right there. Which makes it so fascinating because we don't have the same uh, inhibitions and roadblocks and speed bumps when it comes to people who who are the same race, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, we sort of create these things, but... That They exist between white on white, black on black, you know, Korean on Korean, whatever you want to call it. But I'm super comfortable walking up to another white person and sort of assuming some sort of affinity and relationship with them. And then we can engage in a deeper conversation on a much quicker timeline. You know what I'm saying? So, like, even though those same things exist within a homogenous, you know, racial relationship, there are still these, like, roadblocks that exist for some reason, mental, spiritual, historical, political, you know, socioeconomic, whatever the case may be, uh, when it's become, when it's between white and and people of color.
0: Yeah. Well, can I just say something though? I noticing from you alls story, I think a a key thing to point out, like how reconciliation happens with this though, is both of you had to sacrifice. Like, I mean, it's, and it's kind of to, to bring it Christological, like, Reconciliation inherently requires sacrifice. Like so so humanity being reconciled to God required uh, Christ's sacrifice and humanity being reconciled to each other uh, across racial lines requires sacrifice. And so, I mean, for example, like at the rec center, Mark had to put his reputation on the line. He had to put his authority on the line. He had to put himself at risk for the sake of bringing Josh in. And then Josh has to put himself at risk and put him in a place where where he's the minority for once, where he's not in a position of power. And he has to take a great risk uh, at feeling exploited and being insecure. And so it's from that sacrifice from both your parts that reconciliation actually happens.
4: Right.
0: Yeah, dude. So that being said, I have a question still that I want to get to before we run out of time with you, Mark. Um, one of the things that often happens in church circles, and, and I've seen this on several of my friends who are pastors' walls, is, is ever since you know stuff's gone down in Ferguson, Baltimore, the list could go on. Um, you know the the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, you know, has, has taken form, and, and okay, but then oftentimes the Christian response to that has been, and I, I should clarify that, the evangelical Christian response to that has often been. Uh, well, yeah, they, Black Lives Matter, but really, all lives matter. All lives matter. So let's talk that way. Is that a bad thing to say all lives matter? Like, why is that bad?
4: Of course not. Yeah, All lives should matter. You know, and it's not a bad thing,
2: but, but people are getting raked over the coals for it. Well, so why are they? I want
0: to I hear Mark answer this. Why, why is that? Like, why is that so offensive to say all lives matter um, as opposed to just saying black lives matter?
4: Well, I think the reason why people say that is, say that is offensive because the world tells you that only white middle class, you know, people lives matter. They don't say that all lives matter now, and and that's that's been a problem with the media and you know news and different things like that for you know, for for a long time, that they
1: they depict things to make lower class people look bad. So you're saying that when people say all lives matter, it's not actually a universal all lives matter, but it's this predefined subset of society, which is white, middle class, American evangelicals, is what, when people say all lives, that's what they're referring to which then makes it so offensive primarily in the face of the Black Lives Matter move, movement. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I think I think so. I think...
2: I I guess I would disagree with that. In
4: public... Well, I, I think... In, I, I would disagree with it too, Tom, because I would say all lives matter, and I'm talking about every single person on the face of the planet.
1: You you, know yeah, saying? but you're coming from a black perspective and what i'm saying is typically because i mean i've seen i don't know if you guys have seen that video uh gabe and tom i don't i should actually show it to you mark but there's a video of a white evangelical pastor has been floating around uh facebook there's like gosh close to a million views on it where he just rips on the black lives matter movement but in his rhetoric he's defining all lives matter as white evangelicals and so I think that's part at least from from what I've been seeing and hearing. I think that's the problem is when people are on the one hand they're sort of saying, "Oh my gosh, this Black Lives Matter movement is gaining power, it's gaining prestige, it's gaining, you know, a voice." So, I'm going to squash it by saying, "Oh no, all lives matter,
2: right?" And I, I I think that is I I was able to have this conversation, this exact same conversation, with a, a, a black friend of mine a couple months ago, and we were talking about this. And I said, "Why is this bad?" And because it always comes on the heels of someone says "Black Lives Matter," and then it's always a w- white old dude saying, "Well, no, all lives matter." And what it does is it it immediately takes away from what the Black Lives Movement is trying trying to point out, not only injustices. Uh, from police brutality But also from uh, You know wage ratios and, and the economic disparity Things like that and so as soon as you say All lives matter it's taking away from that But then I will always go back and say But the statement that they are saying If truly said in In terms of all lives On all continents Male, female, yeah. what not If it's said in that way then it's true And we shouldn't get mad at them for it Absolutely, but so how
4: why, often is that the how so, often is that the case? So I'm a black guy. We all know that, right?
2: We do now. Yep. Right.
4: I love God.
2: We're gonna lose our credibility here if you're not. Right.
4: I love God. So for me, all lives matter. So if so, when I'm getting ready to put this black live quote, and I'm got my quotations up, matters campaign together. I'm gonna say why don't we say all
1: lives matter, which is i think which is your right as a black man and but- and that sounds... i I, just, just hear me out. I think that that's my, your right because isn't here's no the thing. My right as a child of God. Don't? No, absolutely. From a Christian perspective, yes, that's how we started this conversation. That reconciliation is the root, sort of the, the diminishing of of uh, inherent distinctions, whether Jew, Greek, male, female, black, white, you know, old, young, whatever. Because then we we are one in Christ, and we celebrate the diversity that gives us true unity in Christ. But from a broken, sinful world's perspective. That's not always what happens because think about it, just even look at our neighborhood all right we We are in a neighborhood that has been long forgotten overlooked uh, and and prejudiced against trampled on, whether explicitly or implicitly, whether intentionally or unintentionally, right Alton Park historically okay, and so if someone were to if we were to say if there was a a groundswell of the Black Lives Matter movement to come up out of Alton Park, even if you as upstanding christian mark who's also happens to be black uh and and you were a part of that and someone came up and said all lives matter but we're not going to do a damn thing for alton park because all lives matter mark so we're going to continue to focus on these other neighborhoods in chattanooga you can do your own thing then that's not actually saying and affirming that all lives matter what that's saying is all lives matter on some sort of philosophical existential spiritual level but are we willing to take that, that affirmation that all lives matter, that biblical truth that all lives matter, and then actually work in our communities, in our cities, in society to raise the level of understanding, raise the level of living to then sort of actually put the proof in the pudding that all lives matter? Because we don't see that happening. It's all, at least from my perspective, it's all rhetoric. When, this, when people say all lives matter, it's a way to escape the, the harsh reality, the uncomfortable conversation that has to occur in saying, okay, if I say all lives matter, then why aren't I or anyone else doing anything to back that up with actions that affirm the fact that all lives matter?
0: So, Josh, what you're saying, basically, if I'm understanding you right, is kind of like this. Like, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we as the church generally define that, like, neighbor means near one. And so we kind of are like, your neighbor ends up being anybody, right? So love anyone as themselves, which is all well and good. But then if I were to say, so, Josh, how are you doing at loving your neighbor? Like, the dude who is actually your neighbor, like, actually lives next door to you. Like, put a metric on it. Like, make it measurable. How are you doing at loving that guy? And you're saying... Uh, and that's so much harder to actually do. That's so much harder to actually focus on and, and actually contribute to. And so it's it's as if uh, when we say all lives matter, we turn neighbor into the broad scope of things so we don't have to be held accountable for it. But when we say black lives matter, it narrows it down and you have to be held accountable for it.
1: And that's accountability is something Mark and I talk about all the time. And I think but I think you're exactly right. So, hey, we every Christian church in America is going to say, love your neighbor, love God. Right. Yep. And we can throw around that rhetoric and affirm that I love my neighbor. Okay, Even if I sinned today or I've broken a promise yesterday, I love my neighbor. And so then when someone says, well, what are you doing to love your neighbor? Oh, but I love my neighbor. I said hi to him today. You know what I mean? Like, great. You can toss around powerful language and rhetoric all you want. But unless you're actually loving your neighbor, then you're not actually loving your neighbor.
2: Yep.
0: Yep. Dude, Mark – we're so grateful to have you on here, man. And uh, thanks for, for being willing to, to wage this conversation with us. And I know, I mean, there's so much more on this issue that we need to, to cover and address. Um, but before we let you out of here, do you, what is it like working with Josh? I, I mean, we only have to do it a couple hours a week, and it's roughly the worst part of my week. So what is that like for you?
4: The same as the
0: worst
4: Tired of it sometimes, but no, I mean it's it's a blessing to have Josh uh, and Bridge City Church a part of our lives. You know, we've been doing some great things. We've been moving along. We got a lot. We got a long way to go. And I've always
1: told him, you know, I'm rolling with him. You know, even when the wheels fall off.
0: Cool. So that's great. That's awesome, man. That's awesome.
1: And probably just to ask the question that burns on every heart of every white person in America, Mark, can you answer this for us? Is it black or African-American? It's black. Okay, you're so ambiguous. <laughs> you're so politically correct. I'm not political.
4: I'm just being real. Like, I, I try to keep it 100. I know you do. We, I know
1: you do. But we, for Gabe see, and for Tom, is, uh, when Tom rolls up that. in the basketball court, the cage, whatever that actually means, so is he going to say, what's hey, up, black? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. What's up, African-Americans?
3: <laughs> How you doing, black guys?
1: Like, I'm not sure. No, That's he's, he, gonna, he gonna say, "What's up, fellas?" Or it, apparently <laughs> he's gonna also say, "What up, no?" You know, he's gonna drop up? the M bomb or something. I mean, no, nah, he won't say that. But you don't know Tom. Maybe he will. <laughs> I think we have t- He's got shingles. He's on his last legs. He's <laughs> no, got he nothing else herpes. to live for. No, he has herpes. <laughs> oh, herpes. That's herpes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but. I think everybody needs to evaluate themselves. We we need to hold ourselves accountable for the way we're living, and I think we'll be better. We'll, we can make change that way. But you're not gonna get everybody to totally trust each other. You know, everybody's not gonna do the right thing. We just gotta do the right things ourselves. All
1: right, little brother, they're here.
2: You know it. And I, I hope I hope that this po- this podcast will will help our our listeners maybe start to say, OK, I want to start engaging in this conversation with other people to build this relationship. Um, we're going to let you go, Mark. Uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, we're going to we invite our listeners to go on a Facebook, go on a Twitter. Shoot us some questions we'll have we'll have Mark uh, take a look at those and maybe give some responses to that because we'd le- we'd love to hear what what you're thinking as you're driving along. Things like that. So thank you for the conversation. Uh, we're gonna go to break and we'll be back after that.
4: Thank you guys for having
3: me. Yeah. yeah have a great day. Thanks, Mark. if I should die lighten, I my children. Yeah. in the world the People doing what they want. Some days I got to tell myself what I'm worth. worth. Not a young dying young and can't afford that hearse. Yeah. Not the people getting sick and can't afford the nurse. Lord, I'm praying for my world, but it's getting worse. Faces on shirts, dying over colors. Brothers killing brothers, pneumonia killing mothers. I know these crazy days, but I hope to see another. Tomorrow's not promised, promise, so mama, I love you. And I ain't being selfish. I appreciate my days, even if they restless. I remember them days of being helpless, but that ain't gonna make me live reckless. I want another day. Some days the rain will fall, some days the storm will fall,
1: trust me I have seen it all.
2: Welcome back. That was another fat beat from Mark. That track was entitled Another Day. We want to thank once again Mark for being here. Not only is he uh, a big part of Josh's congregation, but also is doing some great things uh, with, with his music. So, uh, as we as we kind of wrap us up here, Gabe, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, just kind of the, your your thoughts off the top of your head about this conversation?
0: Yeah. So for me, I think just after talking with Mark, like what was I don't know eye opening for me. Is I think sometimes I am maybe overly sensitive to the topic of race. Like, is it important in our country? Is it important in our culture? Yes, absolutely. Um, but just talking with Mark, like, there was times when I was like, well, Mark, you know, you're not saying the right things. Like, you're not being sensitive enough to, to this issue. And I think there's just kind of a, uh, an issue where, like, I need to just, like, listen more and and not be quite as – Sensitive. I mean, once again, it, it's 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 a, a delicate issue, but maybe I'm like handling it more delicately than I need to, and so that was probably my biggest takeaway today. Josh,
1: you know, for me, it just reminded me once again just how grateful I am for this relationship that I've been ad- been able to develop with Mark for his patience and understanding with me and my naivete uh, and ignorance most of the time because. You know, it's a unique experience, in my opinion, to be able to have uh, such a cro- close friendship and relationship to someone to ask a lot of these questions uh, and, and know that it's safe and know that it's uh, within the confines of trust. And so the only thing that's a bummer is uh, Mark still refuses to upper thigh covenant with me. So one day, one day, he and I are going to embrace the inner thigh. One we'll another.
0: get there, buddy. We'll get there.
1: Not
4: going to happen. I know I'm supposed to be gone. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. All right. The the thing that I think about is what Mark said right at the beginning was about building that relationship and having if you have the relationship to ask the questions, to get into the discussions, to start working towards something. I think that that's absolutely key. I also think, too, a little bit about what what the Apostle Paul said about being being a stumbling block. As well, though, Um, just because I've built up a relationship with a with a bunch of black guys on the basketball court to the point where I could, even though I wouldn't, you know, use the N word out there. There might be another new white guy who then comes in and thinks thinks he can use that, but he hasn't built that relationship or or however that works. The relationship is absolutely key. And as long as we're going to continue to segregate ourselves or or stay on opposite sides of the church or opposite sides of the city or whatever it happens to be, we're not going to be able to get into that dialogue. So I really liked what he said about relationship. Nice, nice,
0: nice. Well, Hey man, we are about uh, winding down here on this episode and it was, uh, great to talk with Mark and have him with us and to, to take this hot topic on. Let me just do a few shout outs for us. Uh, if you're interested in, uh, what Josh and Mark do, you can check out bridge city com in Chattanooga, Tennessee. If you want to support them, man, they're an urban mission doing some great things. And, uh, you can find ways to do that on their website. Uh, I'm at a church called X church Leander. And if you're interested in us live in the Austin area, feel free to join us. Uh, Tom is uh, currently president and CEO of Youth Encounter. If you have a youth group or an organization or something like that, that wants a great uh, gospel-centered experience, a uh, memorable time for your kids really to be shaped uh, by the Lord, you can look into their events that they have all across the country. Uh, and finally, we want to say uh, some thank yous once again to Mark uh, Thomas. You can check him out at Uh You can reach out to them. And, and if you really liked his music, feel free Uh, to reach out and ask for that, and I'm sure there's ways to get that through him or Josh. Also, if you are a band musician, artist, and you'd like to be featured on our show, we can guarantee you that dozens of people will hear your music dozens. Uh, so reach out to us, pineglasspreachers.com. You can fill out our contact info there and we would love to feature your band or your music on as long as it isn't terrible. Uh, and then also just want to say a special thank you to Janet O'Neill, Tom's mom. Uh, she's our number one supporter. And, uh, we're just so grateful for the fine work you're doing in Western Minnesota, ma'am. Uh, Tom, why don't you close us out?
2: Yeah. She's going to love that ma'am part. Um, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast become one of our regulars you can do this by jumping onto our website at www.pineclasspreachers.com. if you like our podcast enough we'd invite you to buy another round this is our very clever way of asking you to support us either with a one-time gift or with a monthly automatic donation of $1.99 if you do you'll get some extra cool content that will be really super duper again I'll say Jump on Facebook, jump on Twitter, ask some questions. We'd love, uh, we'd love to engage with you that way to continue this conversation about race as we move forward. So, uh, Gabe, what, what do we got next week? Last call. Next week on Pint Glass
0: Preachers, we are moving from race to gender, talking feminism with uh, a doctor in the world of feminism, which is a thing. Uh, So we're very excited to be doing that. Uh, So tune in for next week. Stay on top of us on social media. Tell your friends, man, if you would, we would love to grow this. Invite people into this conversation. I've had so many people say, hey, Gabe, we wish we could talk more. You can talk. Be a part of the conversation. Tweet at us, Instagram at us, Facebook at us. We'd love to have you be a part of it. Thanks for tuning in to Pint Glass Preachers. Love y'all. Keep in touch.